Banya82, one day at a time, day 21, that extra day that gets squeezed into every World Cup and everyone wonders why. We never do though, because we love doing extra podcasts. Turf Place Playoff Day. Mick Foley, does my enthusiasm ever surprise you? Or even <laughs> now, this one in particular. Rob, you're, you're, you're constantly surprising me. Even now, after all these years, you still surprise me. The things you do, the way you say them. Just every day, every day is a gift. Jeez, I feel like Mick's going to belt in the cold porter any second now. <laughs> you should I set myself up for that one. You should be so lucky. Anyways, third place playoff. Kieran, how are you? Hola. Hola, indeed. Poland versus France. We brought everyone in. Uh, Kevin, we wanted to get your final thoughts on the World Cup and we said we'll make you watch the third place playoff as well. Did you enjoy it? It was a great game of football. And I wanted I want to start off by defending the whole process of the third fourth place playoff. So we'll get to that whenever you've done your intros. I'm with you there, Kev. After after dealing with the group stages, the second group stage, I'm like, thank God, just a one-off football match that decides something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what it decided because Poland seemed to be third, but not well, get the somebody was given a box of medals at the well. end of it. But we'll yeah, get back we'll to get that. that. We we'll get to that. Benny Joe Padden, how are you? Very good, very good, Rob. Yeah, I have to say I agree completely with Kevin. I was kind of dreading watching this, but it was a it was a very entertaining game of football. Hmm, I like it. You've all done your homework. And Colin Sheridan, mm. who's still watching Game Four from Round Two, uh, how are you? <laughs> good, Rob. Yeah, looking forward to watching this one in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll text the group if it hasn't been disbanded or if you haven't moved on to the next tournament, planning for the next tournament. Um, no, I, I, I do enjoy third place playoffs. I, you know, I think there's always merit in them, especially since they're just, you know, they're the, uh, what's, what's the, this, the ugly stepchild or the whatever. I like them. <laughs> I'll go with that. Do you know one thing that makes them particularly ugly, Kieran? is two days after the semi final, which team had to, both teams had to march out again. That's, that's, oh, a, that's which tough probably one. explains a lot of the selections. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. You know, there's, there's several changes and, do you remember when we were talking about like England selecting going to Tony Woodcock for expertise on the Germans and things like that I was kind of looking at this is the first time we see Sarmatch isn't it and you're kind of going well are, are they assuming because he plays in France he has some inside knowledge and that's maybe why we're getting to see him possibly other than like that magnificent Tom Selleck of his like that is a Victorian age moustache that I, I actually flicked through the Panini sticker album and his is the best photo of any in that whole book. <laughs> like, we've been sort of assuming that the Gentile moustache, which will be shared with Burgamy for the World Cup final, the Italian squad moustache being the best moustache the World Cup. Are we now saying that Sharmac is coming in there on the rail at the end to just pip them all? Oh, the man could live in Baker Street. Like, he, he could play Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's magnificent. It's definitely the most impactful uh, mustache, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. It's it you know it 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 it's an instant statement. You one glimpse at that face with that tash, and it's it says a lot. It requires wax. A mustache that requires <laughs> wax is an impressive Tom Selleck. Let's be honest. I like it, lads. We're coming at this third place playoff with all the uh, professionalism we we would have uh, hoped to bring to it. Poland three. France, two. Kevin, tell us why why you feel they matter. Without the third place playoff in the World Cup, we would be denied a whole bunch of great World Cup historic moments. So, 78, Nelinho's amazing Brazil banana kick against the oh, Italians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fastest ever goal in the World Cup, Hakan Sukur against uh, the South Koreans in 2002. And we wouldn't have seen Henrik Larsson's great breadlocks for the Swedes in 94, beating the Bulgarians, or Peter Shilton making a complete mess of things against the Italians in 1990, which is the best comic moment of all time. So <laughs> for that reason, and that reason alone, the third place playoff should stand the test of time. And, you know, it kind of beats those, obviously, for the Ireland's great Olympic moments tend to be boxing. But a lot of them are, you know, the two semi-final losers getting bronze medals and you're always kind of going why not just let them have a box off yeah true I, I think I understand it in boxing yeah I, and the other thing like this is I realize the boy said like this is a bloody good game like I mean it's kind of it's got a feel of a friendly about it at times okay fair enough but 
it's kind of got a lot of what you would kind of well certainly a lot of what I saw in the whole 82 World Cup it, it, there's great goals in it yeah okay it's a very good contest mm-hmm. fucking fantastic jerseys really fantastic jerseys mm-hmm. uh, slightly weird stadium odd noises I heard accordions in the in the crowd in this game don't know um, violence there's some serious violence in it and there's a kind of an overarching weirdness to the whole feel of it all the way down to the stuff after the game that we'll talk about. But there's good weird. football. There's good football. That's, like, that's and, and, and it's, 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 it seems to be in waves. Like the French are completely dominant for the first 40 minutes. The Poles are completely dominant for the next 20. And then they kind of divvy it out for the last <laughs> part of the match. You know? Yeah. Like the poor old French. Oh, that's the other thing that's kind of quintessential um, 82 World Cup as well. For the first 30, 40 minutes, the French play all the football. Yet they're still losing at the end of it, like, you know. They do so well, and yet they get feck all out of it. They go, they go in at half time two one down, having been by about fucking million miles the best team. Like, but they're two one down. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Before we kind of minute by minute, Mick. I mean, back to you for a sec. There were some changes here. One significant change, which would bring us all the way back to what might well be listed in your top fives later in this show as the greatest story in this World Cup or one of the greatest stories. Yes, Larios yeah. returns. Larios oh, I thought you were returns. talking about Mahout. <laughs> <laughs> French steal the ball. Uh, the, French makes, the French make seven changes for this, which is kind of not surprising, as you said, Rob, two days after an extremely traumatic match. You know, quite apart from losing the thing, Patrick Battiston is in a hospital somewhere wondering, can he get his front teeth back out of Tony Schumacher's hip at any point? Just, you know, for, you know, sentimental value, if nothing else. Um, Seven changes. Um, The only ones that are there from the German game are Marius Trezor, Jean Vion in the in the def- in the back four. Tegan is still there and Amaros as well in the back four. But the guy who's come back, you mentioned Larios our old friend from, from seems like uh, about four World Cups ago. Um, Larios, as people may remember, um, was a, pl- a teammate of Michel Platini's at St. Etienne Amorous, in France. Amorous Larios. Amorous Larios, yes. He was a teammate of Michel Platini's. He was also kind of a teammate of um, Michel Platini's wife. Um, <laughs> so he was, he was having a fling with Michel Platini's wife, essentially. Um, and as a result, um, of course, obvious tension in the camp. Um, the last three went to England. Larios was not seen again. He actually disappeared out of the squad, went off to have a chat with Barcelona about moving to them and reappears for this match. And I think he's brilliant in the game, by the way, before before we talk any more about him. He's fucking, like before Platini became Platini, Larios was expected to be, the, you know, the French number 10, like the, the great hero. And there's a great old cut about him, isn't it? Just as a footballer. There, there's lots of socks down in this game. Like this, this is the quintessential. This is, uh, this is, this is the type of team that inspires a cantina. Well, I definitely think that somebody like Larios does. You know, I'm not saying for the off the field behaviour, but I, I think there's a slight difference between him and Platini and that Platini, you do see, you have all the artistry, but you know, there's a, there's a precision there's a, there's a, he he's he's driving at the goals still, and I think all great number tens. You're not a great number ten unless you actually score goals as well. And uh, whereas Larios is just, I think he's just trying to beautify the occasion at all times. You know, out on the periphery of it, um, but he played well. Larios reminds me of one of those, uh, you know, those French out halves in the early nineties when yeah. they couldn't win a game, yeah. but they were just looked and they couldn't. Thomas you know, they had, or there was there was a couple of ones like Francois Delo or De, yeah, I think Delo who <laughs> like refused to actually <laughs> score because it would interrupt the beauty of what he was doing. And Larios does in this game. It's a shame we didn't see more of him actually in the in the World Cup, but uh, yeah, just as Billy said, he was less about the end product and more about the uh, the art, which was uh I think in keeping with uh, what third place playoffs should be about. Yeah, he's he's very much uh, well. The art of Lamour, I think, really was Larios. I mean, he he spoke many years later in his in his career. He reminded me of the old Spinal Tap drummers who used to say, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, as long as I have the sex and drugs, I can do it without the rock and roll. <laughs> um, Larios was a bit like that with football. 
um, by his own admission, like he took he, he he took amphetamines before big matches to get himself up and running, and he actually blamed uh, too much sex and too much booze for kind of um, kind of finishing his career. Like this is his last game for France. He doesn't play for France again. Um, at the time, and you know, we've discussed this already. There would have been rumours like that that Platini had a very strong say in the team selection, and obviously in this scenario, Larios wasn't going to be in his good books. Like, so he, he didn't really get a shot. He never joined Barcelona, by the way, because he was at Saint Etienne, and this summer they also lost Platini to Juventus, so they wouldn't let him go. He ended up going to Atletico Madrid in '83. But when he got there, he hurt his knee really badly. He didn't even play a game with them. There was a dispute uh, with Atletico. Uh, and he ended up actually travelling around. He played for seven clubs in five years all over the place. He was in America, Canada, Switzerland, and he retired in 1988. He became a, a football agent afterwards um, and stuck in a stuck in a scandal with... Remember there was a scandal with Marseille in the noughties about transfers and stuff like that. He... Uh, he was um, embroiled in all that. He got a two-year suspended bloody sentence, 200,000 euro fine, and was banned from being an agent for a bunch of years. So, you know, it's been quite, it's been quite the run for, uh, for Jean-Francois over the years, you know. It's hard to imagine him, even had he gone to Barcelona getting the number 10 jersey given their acquisition that summer. I don't think Diego is going to be saying, yeah, no bother, Larios, here's 10. <laughs> yeah. The, the the Christmas party would have been good though. Jeez, Jeez I'd say an average Thursday night would have been good. To be honest, <laughs> with two of them. Who was our pal again from El Salvador? He'd have been invited. Oh, Mexico uh, Gonzalez. Yeah, oh, he would have. <laughs> that'd be some trio. <laughs> it starts so well, Kevin. They get stuck into it, and and I, they left Tegan on just for our entertainment. And like, I, I don't think that man would know how to play a, a game in a park without playing the way he plays. No, they were brilliant. The French were fantastic. The boys were saying there in the first sort of like 15, 20 minutes, they're all over them. Uh, there's a Larios free kick. As Mick was saying, he had a great game. Uh, there's a Tagana shot, and then the French go one up. Uh, Girard, lovely shot, right in the corner and off the post. There's loads of goals in off the post in this game. The posts play a huge part in this game. Uh, it's a fantastic the shot. The posts are the target. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one 0 and France are like completely bossing it, and you're kind of wondering, did he need Platini? Maybe Larios is the answer. Uh, but they're fantastic, uh, brilliant performance from the French in the first minutes, and they play like you said, loads of socks down and stuff. It's like almost like a Sunday morning, you know, stub out the fags, lads on the go. We'll, we'll play the game. It's all but joie de vivre, all kind of loose and languid and wonderful and just French. It's fantastic. I'll tell you who's great as well and it's he's not someone who's been in this World Cup at all but we'll see him people of a certain age will remember him from a couple of years later in the European Championships is Bruno Bellon he's, he's only a kid in this match he scores the second goal in the European Championship final when they beat Spain two years time but in this he's brilliant like he's a great free kick he's involved in the first goal he's fucking the business like this lad but like I have to start like before we go any further, right? Goals are goals and all goals. But the weirdness, right? Weird thing number one that happens in this match is, to my mind, the worst open goal miss ever. It makes Ronnie Rosenthal's one look like a fifty-fifty. Like, doesn't make sense. Your your buddy, your buddy, the wax mustachioed Sharmac, uh, standing on the goal line when the ball is kind of shot crossed by Boniek. He's standing on the goal line. Like and it somehow hits him. He must be somehow triangulated or something. The way it hits off him and just bounces into Castaneda's, the goalkeeper's. Um, how did how did it happen? You, you think if he did nothing, it would go in. Whereas I think it was actually <laughs> oh, like in an attempt to do something. In, like... He butchers it. I'd say I'd say Serginio was at home, very very happy when he saw it. He was like, Point stop. Stop. It's harder than it looks. <laughs> it really isn't like all you have to do is stand there like it was the weirdest like literally goal line the ball like I, I've never seen in my life anything like it somehow to be fair though the goal he gets after I don't know 20 minutes later is a savage one isn't it I love his celebration too Pedro because he's so disgusted still at the earlier miss that he's like no I'm not even, no no don't even talk to me no no yeah, have, but have it, you ever you know seen what's beautiful a, about that goal is the pass. Like the pass into him is just if it if it was Platini, we'd have been, you know, 
referring to the painting it's going to be <laughs> immortalised in. It's like it's the most, it's one of the most beautiful passes of the World Cup. And the great thing about it is Sarmash is offside and checks back in because France step up and he gets caught. So he steps back up. You can see him making that reverse run so that he can give himself the time to turn. I don't think there's been a greater uh, difference in skill level between the miss and the actual execution of this finish because he's reaching with his left foot, hits it on the half volley, you know, first time, cross the goalkeeper, off the post and in. It's absolutely phenomenal. I think he's probably, you know, you could probably play that ball to him a hundred times and he'd never make that connection again because it's really, really the 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 difficulty level of that finish is is huge, but but I but I I think I think that you're right, Rob. Though I think he shakes his head in disbelief that he scores a goal like that after a miss like that. And and in terms of the celebration, like he's gutted, but Boniek is over, almost making love to him, trying to like, get him get him, turn him round. And it's Boniek who had the shot that you hit off the post. So Boniek was annoyed about that. But then when he actually gets the goal, Boniek's giving him the big hug and saying, "Fantastic, well done." And he's having absolutely none of them. But like Sharmac, you know, he's new to us because we haven't seen him really in the World Cup up to this. Okay. Uh, did he play in the semi final? He did play in the semi final, didn't he? Was he Bonnie X? Bonnie X, yeah. Let me see. Yeah. So, like, so we saw we saw him then. But, like, this guy is a serious striker. You know, 30 odd goals and 60 odd internationals for Poland. You know, you know, what you call it, made his bones at the 74 World Cup. Serious player for them when the Olympics mattered, like in 1976 when they won silver there. Like, serious player, you know, unbelievable goal line miss aside, you know, but that uh, that goal kind of gets him. So maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's why Boniek's gone up because he's like, he could be a bit of a hero to Boniek because this is one of these guys he would have grown up watching, I would imagine, you know, they're kind of, there's a bit of an age gap there, you know. I, I Like, I need to bring you back in here, Mick, because at this point, uh, we need the world's foremost expert on, you know, non-frontline French goalkeepers from 1982. Yeah, I can help you out there. Great. Oh, good Lord. Um, His so, next book. Yeah. Settle, settle in, boys. <laughs> this might take a while. Ten times one um, is, ten times two is, twenty, <laughs> ten times three is, John Castaneda, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. The longer you do this, the longer it's going to take me to explain, and I'll deliberately go very slowly. Um, no, very quickly, because John Castaneda comes in for Le Petit Etorie. Uh, who's presumably gone off to get, you know, measured for a nice set of Cuban heels before he goes home. He's gone off anyway, he's away. And uh, Castaneda, who would have played against Ireland in the World Cup qualifiers and was kind of signs on, and then met a Hames of a few, uh, met, a, met a Hames of the goals against Ireland was, was why he lost his place. But he's back in. And he kind of looks all right. Again, kind of in that way of French goalkeepers. In open play, great man for uh, to stop a shot, you know. Looks good for the cameras, diving and all that. But, you know, something like a corner, it's a little bit tricky. Like, that's when things get a bit awkward. And with literally the last moment, of the, the last thing that happens in the first half is Castaneda flying through the air with the greatest of discomfort as the ball flies over him and uh, Majewski, I think, wasn't it at the back post? Stefan Majewski, yeah. Yeah, nods it in. Suddenly it's 2-1 and the French are like, did we not just play... All the football here. Jean Castagnella. We're 2-1 down. Anybody else notice when, when the corner was being taken, they have like a, a smaller advertising board behind the corner flags, which is Sport Billy. Oh. Mm. And Sport Billy was developed originally in the lead up to this World Cup. It, like, I think it was an American animation company, but it came from a German cartoon character. And the idea was that it would encourage fair play in football. So the fair play award for this World Cup is actually a gold statue of Sport Billy. <laughs> so what you'll see sometimes around the side is in the middle of the advertising hoardings, you'll see like Canon, Coca-Cola, Sport Billy. But on the corners, they have an actual square advertising box, which is the character itself. I am I wrong here? Was there a Sport Billy cartoon in the eighties? Was there? I have a there vague was, memory yeah, of this. Yeah. There was. Who was who was the evil villain in Sport Billy? There's a there's a starter for ten years. Oh man. I'm I'm way out of my depth. I should have said I shouldn't have even mentioned it. Sport Billy came Go from on. came from like another planet where 
you know, football was played in he the was most a hero from another planet. That was a song, Kieran. That was the yeah, lyrics yeah. of the song. Ben Muller. He's a hero from another planet. <laughs> and he was chosen for a special mission, which is the second line in the song. I'm sure my age uh, Who was the evil? He was he was sent he was sent down to, to fight against the evil Vanda, who was like a uh, Cruella Deville type was figure. FIFA executive. Yeah, German. Van, I was going to say, Vanda was probably yeah, on the set, West German squad at this yeah, World Cup, was it? And then Billy would sort the problem. It was a great captain. Brilliant there's there's some irony about the Fair Play Award uh, being based on a character that was developed in West Germany to encourage sportsmanship <laughs> at this World Cup, is there not? <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 not clicking together for me. Once again, that's, that's FIFA nailing it every day at a time. Yeah, so halftime arrives. Uh, the crowd continue with their samba atmosphere and all the weird music and their accordions and their accordions. I don't know why I said samba. I don't know why I said that. I don't know what I'm on about. It's just it's an odd atmosphere. Billy Joe, come in, save me. Can I, can I just say on the accordions? Now, okay. I'm going to you know, a, musical, <laughs> a musical a musical inter, interlude here. Um, yeah, it 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 was like a, it, I don't know. It, there was a an album by a fella called Tom Russell back in the mid noughties and he, it was kind of like Oki's traveling in the fifties, a concept album from like Oklahoma to L.A. and mixing in with the the Mexicans. That album is full of that sort of accordion stuff. So ah. you know, you'd want to check it out. Check it out. But I, I actually <laughs> thought, I thought, am I playing? Is my phone playing the Tom Russell album in my pocket? <laughs> as I was watching it. I was thinking, there's definitely another so- sound coming from somewhere. It, it must is is it the French fans? Because you know that old stereotype about the French used to be that you'd go to a cafe and there was a little guy with his concertina slash accordion, and and some other fella had you know garlic on a string around his neck and a beret. Yeah. <laughs> I think. It wasn't quite the team shoe from a low low in fairness, no. It was a bit more uh, <laughs> a bit more rustic than that. A bit more, you know, what actually is that tune? You know, it's a bit more, to be fair, it's a bit experimental because you can't actually, it doesn't sound like music at all, really, when you actually listen to it. It was the basis there for the banjo and deliverance. going on in the car park, you know. Back to Mr. Mr. Castanier. Hi, how you good man, Colin? <laughs> right yeah. down Tom Russell. We've <laughs> learned a lot already. Yeah. We've learned that Billy Joe has a card in music on his... Uh, on his on his phone. Yes, true. Yeah. Kevin Corcoran is really seriously into very obscure early eighties children's cartoons. Just, I tell you, I'm taking a lot of notes. Yeah. A lot, a lot of blackmailable stuff. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, well, no, knowing the sort of people you are, I can totally recommend Tom Russell Hot Walker. All, all five of you will enjoy it. Well, all this, well, you know, all this sort of pretentious stuff about Charles Bukowski and Little Jack Horton and all that sort of stuff, right up your street. <laughs> oh, beautiful! So much beautiful. of the last two minutes has gone straight over the top of me. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the last eighteen of the last twenty episodes for me. But like, uh, moving on, uh, Jean Castanet uh, is not finished in this little story. Like, I just want to say, as he lines up, kick, as he lines up his defense of this free kick, he looks very sure of himself. Gets over to the post and goes, "Right, yeah, that's that's grand, lads." in French, I'm sure, and then moves back about 17 metres to the left. What's he do? I mean, what's he do? Hi, look, he's, he's, the, he's not the first, and he, was, uh, he definitely was the last to get caught out like that. I think, I think the goalkeepers in that sort of situation, you know, apart from being derided, I, I watched it. I can't remember, don't know who the commentator was. I watched it, but the commentary was in English. Yeah. And right from the get-go, it was... Let's given out about the goalkeeper. Oh, he's off his line there, or he came for that one, and then he actually did make mistakes. Um, so I think he's just he's anticipating the cross because there was quite a few crosses thrown into the box by the Polish. So he takes too many steps to his left. But you have to admire the fact that Kubica okay. has been striking the ball even in the game against. Italy in the semi-final he everything he is hitting whether it be off his left or his right right boot is is so it's sweet and he just nails it a curling shot with power sneaks in at the bottom left corner and Castaneda can't get across and and keep it out but but what made me laugh is like Castaneda like Rob talked about him setting up his defense he's setting up his defense in that spot it's almost like he says put it here (laughs) And then he steps away from it. So he's got that angle covered, steps away, shows it to Kupchuk, and boom. <laughs> I can't even, I'm I don't know. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm loving the pronunciations here. Kubica 
and then some kind of a car crash of consonants there from what was that again, Kieran? Well, I'm Kup- going on the spelling is Can I say that I've been struggling with that all day? Each Polish each commentator that has done a Polish game has done it totally different yeah. each time. And some of them were Polish commentators. To- totally <laughs> so I have decided that I'm going to call it Kubwitsa because it's the easiest one I can say. And can I just say, I, that this gives the listeners now an insight into the kind of commitment that's in this podcast. Yeah. Joe pretty much took a day off work to practice yeah, the pronunciation <laughs> of a the- Polish player's name and is still getting it wrong. But that's not the point. <laughs> it's taking the day off at the point. Kupkovic. Kupkovic. Yeah, that sounds. That, yeah, I can see that working. Yeah. Kupkovic. Oh, Kevin's disagreeing. Yeah. Oh, go on, Kevin. What's your version? Kupsevich, I think. I think he could be right. To we need to get Ryan Hubbard back here. We need to get Ryan Hubbard back here. Kupsevich, I think he could be right. I'm just going to agree with everybody now. Hey, I called Alan Jeresh Reese about 10 episodes ago, so I have nothing to and say And we here. still haven't got Gingini's well, name right. We're like Gingini, we, we actually... Gingini, Gingini. Yeah. Anyhow, it's a, it's a good free kick. But like that free kick, like, it's way out on the left-hand side. Like, I mean, for the goalie, isn't it? It's way out on the left. Oh, it's so it's, far on the left. Yeah, It's such a stupid goal to let in. Like, into, his, into, into the left corner. It's such a dumb goal. But it's three Polish goals in seven minutes, and suddenly it's 3-1. You, you can imagine Castaneda, like for the 15, 20 minutes at halftime, was sitting there going, okay, just get it together. This is, you know, was one half left of this World Cup, you know, just make it count. Um, then two minutes. There's, there's only another four goalkeepers in contention. I'm not exactly. in trouble here. Yeah. And they're all smaller than me, even. Um, yeah. So they're not getting Got them in height. He definitely does have them yeah. in height. Not as uh, best Did you day. notice, like, Bonyek <sighs> is, is taken down for that free and he's the guy that the French go after like every time he gets the ball they're not afraid to go in hard when it comes to Bagnac. Oh, I, I there's no I mean this you know like I said I said earlier the French play a lot of football in this World Cup but in this game there's a fair bit of kicking and belting like Bagnac takes an off there's actually a really strange episode later on in the game with a substitute that's come on for Poland an enormous man like he's huge what's his name which Ah, I'm in trouble now. Wojcicki, I think his name is. I'm going to say Wojcicki was his name. He was huge. He was about eight foot seven. He's just massive. And he comes in, but what about 10 or 15 minutes ago, he takes an awful belt from uh, Soler, the French player. I mean, like it's proper studs up, lunge. Before the goal, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got me in the guts, like. And he goes down and he's, oh, he's in a bad way and it's all this. And the referee is called on the stretcher bearers. And the physio comes on, but then the next they put him on the stretcher. But then the next thing, the referees or he gets, I know, is it? I can't remember. Was it? Was it? Uh, I'm gonna say he's, he's Wojcicki. Okay. Okay. Wojcicki. We had settled on Wojcicki. <laughs> anyway, he gets off the stretcher, or the referee pulls, basically drags him off the stretcher. You're grand, and sells the stretcher bearers to get lost. It's a really weird kind of energy about the whole thing. Very kind of slapstick kind of thing you know it's kind of mm. get out of here I, I don't think the ref well, thought the stretcher was long enough for him well it wasn't it was only 7 foot 4 I mean his legs were hanging out the end and his head was at the other end his moustache was drooping this is a very sizeless podcast between the French goalkeepers and the Polish giants I, I Colin feel, is always you know, the one that, that accuses to... us of you know sizeism an ism some, <laughs> some ism or other yeah. ageism sizeism <laughs> racism Christ. orientalism he's so, he's so woke he's yeah, so well, woke. I'm pre I'm, I'm pre woke here Colin describe uh, France's uh, second goal there for us <laughs> oh thanks Rob yeah um <laughs> Two of no, honestly, uh, we're going to talk about obviously our favorite things about uh, about uh, this World Cup at the end of this uh, episode, or I hope we are anyway. But certainly, Jean Tigana for me was one of the, uh, you know, it was obviously a name that um, I knew of but never saw obviously play. So looking back at, at this World Cup, he was just unbelievable for me, and in this game as well, as you said, Rob, he could he just does things a certain way all the time. He plays a great ball in and a very very impressive. Was was this Coriol's only game of the World Cup? Yeah, it was one of his last games for France as well. Oh, well, did he play a few times um, after? He played in the following season, yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, he was so good he all, was very all through good. this game. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was great. He finishes a bit of a uh, 
you know, finish underneath the keeper. But, uh, so, you know, just 72 minutes gone, so the game is back on. But, yeah, Tegan had a brilliant here. Great ball through. A uh, bit of a dodgy finish. I uh, won't put too much on the keeper since keeper's already getting a bit of a hard time. But, yeah, um, couldn't accuse yeah, keeper, uh, keeperism. Keeperisms, yeah. But uh, Tegan had fantastic in it. And like, Corey, all, great, all, great all through this game. It was a real kind of... That's, and again, it's, it's like what Kevin said earlier on. It's what makes these games memorable when you actually sit down and watch them is there's characters that emerge that you haven't seen all World Cup and especially because of the circumstances of how this game was played so soon after the semifinals. But there's a couple of um, great cameos and Coriol's is, is definitely one of them. So 3-2, 20 minutes to go. It's back on. The other thing I think is, like we're always sort of, you know, well, we're not always because we're giving this game credit and Kevin's laid it out brilliantly, you know, why they matter. But we're often dismissive of third place playoffs, but like this cements the legacy of a great Polish team because they've done this twice in three World Cups. You know what I mean? And while it's easy for us to sit here with the team that gets to quarterfinals without winning games and say how great things are, like I'm sure when you look back on it, for Poland, they must look, what is the result of the Golden Age? Well, it was two bronze medals at World Cups. And that, that team that won the bronze medal in 74 scored the goal that Mix always on about, about Lato's great goal against yeah. the Brazilians. That was the third, fourth place playoff game as well. So yeah. another thing that's given us in the context of the World Cup history. And, and, uh, and, uh, sorry, and did some because uh, I was unaware of that, but somebody mentioned that they won a, what, a silver at an Olympics as well in... Uh, in 70, yeah, Montreal, yeah, seventy six. Yeah. So, like, what a what an eight year stretch, and and actually having something to show for, something tangible, as opposed to you know we had a good run in that tournament. I think it makes a huge difference, as we've seen in recent tournaments as well for smaller nations when they actually get to the, these games, how much they actually mean to them. So, ah, uh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I I, mean, I like them. It's not a World Cup game, how bad, you know? But like mm-hmm. the uh, it's funny, like the Polish. I wonder how the polls actually saw because I mean, we had Ryan Hubbard on the show uh, for the USSR match a little while back, and he made the point he reckoned that Poland probably only played well, or at least to their potential, for one and a half matches in this World Cup, and they don't like they play well for. They don't dominate this either, you know. Not um, at all. But but Not I do think they take it seriously because even when we had Ryan on that time. The jersey he was wearing while we were doing the program was the one from this game. So they they took it seriously enough to get a brand new jersey at the end of the tournament. Yeah, well, that was for the semi final, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know they're getting to this stage; they are taking this seriously. You can't say they lied down, they lay down in the semi final or in this game. Well, I guess I guess the way things were in Poland, and we've discussed this already, like with martial law and the solidarity aspect of it, no. All of what was going on, every match mattered, you know, every match mattered. Um, and I suppose this one, no, no less than the previous one against Italy. And also, I think, I think if my memory serves, Ryan very well made the point that like once they got to the Italian semi-final, they kind of, I don't think they believed they could win the World Cup. Poland fundamentally they didn't think they could win it so getting to the World Cup semi-final they were fairly limp in that semi-final really so I suppose this game again gave them a chance this was more this was more a level that they probably felt we can we can win this and we can come third in it as you say it's immense the legacy like you know they were saving themselves for the that's what it sounds like doesn't it yeah yeah that's exactly what they were doing yeah 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 they just they just experimented a bit to throw the losing semi-finalists um for the third place playoff yeah Makes so amorost has a shot near the end and it was well saved and that's it then poland win but just before we get to the weird medals uh celebration I'll give you this one, Kevin. What is Mahout at? I, I like he really wants the ball. Ball comes over to him, and he puts it up his jumper, and the referee's like, "Oh, hang on, hang on." It's like the referee knew there was something amiss here. I don't know what's it all about. Will we ever find out? But it's it's, it's the tango ball. It's, it's the it's the the wonderful tango ball. The referee had to have the ball. That's why I loved the bit. The fact that if he grabbed him by the shirt, I thought that was hilarious. Oh, was that something? Going to clock him at one point. It's brilliant. Isn't that a well established? Uh, Thing that the referee gets the ball in the in in in, oh. in, in pretty much all finals. It's, but it's, where, it's, where so, is, so it's like it's like his medal. He keeps yeah, the ball. And he keeps the team he, to sign it or whatever, and it says, says really? sign. Yeah, seriously. And you you yeah, will yeah. know you will know an experienced referee 
will only blow the final whistle when he's about to, he's close enough to the ball to pick it up because he knows if somebody's winning a World Cup title and the ball is 60 yards away from him, he's, you know, he's not getting it. So, the, well, you know, know, a good experience for the ball him and he can If you're a referee, it. yeah. This, it's huge. Like, I have the match ball from the biggest game I ever refereed. This is this is all news. He's I'm lucky nobody got a hat trick. Completely different way from no one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just watching, but I don't know if Mahout was thinking about that at all. Like, what if he was thinking about that? What was he thinking? To he was going to get away with it. I don't. Know. It was bizarre. He gets the look on his eye. You can see the Mahout when when the referee grabs him by the jersey. Mahout's kind of shocked. He's kind of like, "What are you? What? We're actually <laughs> going to scrap over the ball?" Like, and he gives him gives him the ball back. And uh, that's okay. That's fine. You kind of think that's the end of the weird. That's weird enough. You know, that's kind of loose enough. You know, 82 World Cup style kind of ramshackle. That'll be the end of that. But oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. You've got two boxes of medals coming out yet. Yeah, I've watched a FIFA documentary on Netflix, Billy Joe. I don't know if you watch it, but Yao Avalanche is coming out here. Like he's a character in the whole evolution of FIFA. They're just starting to emerge. They're just getting onto the world scene. Um, but he doesn't carry that kind of uh, charismatic presence through all the games or any of that kind of stuff. But here, it's, it's just such a strange... It's almost like someone said, you have to present the medals, and he's like, yeah, I, I okay, I will. Just, just I'll give it to the captain. And then someone else is presenting the medals to the French. It's all very odd. I'm Poles only surprised he didn't bring medals. them out in a shopping bag. I mean, it was pretty much that. Yeah, it's bizarre. Sorry, Rob, but I don't watch the medals medals won the trophy. <laughs> Just opening ceremonies, isn't it? Yes. Just opening ceremonies. Should have watched this one. This was a classic. Describe okay. it in more detail. To me, it's like the box, the box of medals is like a trophy for the polls. It kind of gives them it as a kind of lift it I, up and show the people what you've won. I, it's weird. I think you're even. I think you're even being kind there. It actually looks. It actually looks like he's given them a canteen of cutlery. Yeah. It's like just a closed box, a closed grey box. It's like, um, who's the captain? Uh, that guy there, Zamuda. Oh yeah, here look, throw them out to the boys. Well done, whoever you are. Now, where are these beautiful French people? <laughs> and over, I want to shake their hands, their 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 perfumed hands. And he goes over and he he presents the medals to the French. The Poles are over the other side going, "We did win this game, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does two, well, does two, like, does I'd imagine Stewart's they were checking the box to make sure he'd given them the bra. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, God, like, you know what's up What's he it? giving out to them? Hold on, check the box there, Ziggy. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and the, does he think we're going to keep them for a medal presentation night that we can, you know, charge 20 quid a head for chicken dinner? These, these, this is an Alicante, this game, isn't it? These look like, these look like chips from the local casino down the beachfront. What the hell is, what the hell is going on here? Do you know what, though? They were, the, it was lovely scenes of, like, uh, the Polish players just looking at their medals and stuff uh, and I, I think you know oh, these aren't medals or whatever they these are, are casino, chips. Their casino chips and, yeah, and, and being proud to have them Dragon we can get a game of roulette in before we go home I'm trying to have a nice moment but you're not making it possible no but anyways Poland yay third place playoff done more to do in the show though um, before we get to our we, I got you all to do your top fives well, most of you returned to top five most of you most of you one of you didn't. Not looking at anyone, Colin. But you, you sent some of them, Colin, so I'll take that. Uh, so I've tallied it all up. Um, and we work through those top fives in a couple of seconds' time. Kieran, any other bits to tidy up in the game before we do that while I bring it up on screen? Buy me some time here. I just felt, again, as I said, nice legacy for Poland. Like, this was a great team. And I was unfamiliar with probably all of their team bar Boniek coming into the tournament. And I had never really seen much of Boniek. So for the game and a half or two games, if you add it all up, that they played well, really enjoyed Lato in particular, Bunchal, uh, Boniek, Smuda. Uh, you can see why they were such a good team. They had some great players, but I'm very excited about the future of that French team. One final aside, uh... There was a cutaway, a, a shot of the uh, the Polish manager early on in the game, a side view of him. And I just ate the bang of a kind of uh, Babs Keating or a kind of an awfully football manager in him. It's just like, the, the dodgy hair, the sideies and the unkempt kind of polo shirt. I just, when I saw him, I thought he could be in Thurles. Okay, so for for our overseas listeners, <laughs> begin to Explain translate their uh, the, the googles you need to do now are uh, Thurlis, 
awfully football, awfully hurling. That's spelled O F F A L Y. Babs and Babs and Keating, and you should be you should be right up to speed. Yeah, that's it. Right that's it. Kevin's been in Ireland too long. <laughs> right. Uh, Poland finished third, France finished fourth, Brazil, England, fifth and sixth. I was looking at the ranking charts here uh, before before it was done, just seeing who did finish fifth in the rankings according to Wikipedia. All right, how did they work this out now? Well, they worked they it out, work on, out on points, basically. Two points for a win. Brazil oh, okay. actually had four wins, eight points. Tied with England, but a slightly better goal difference of uh, 15 goals for six against. That's, that was because of us. Go to Scotland. Well done. <laughs> well, he got his Scots mention in. At some point in history, when we get to the knockout sections, FIFA actually get the technical study group, I think, to determine the ranking oh, do they? of every this is team. Yeah, oh. I, yeah and, and I think they've done it historically for almost every tournament so that there is an actual ranking of all the teams participating. I haven't checked where... Ireland have fallen in the two World Cups we've attended. No, I will do that another day. Um, Kevin, where do you think Scotland finished out of the teams that didn't qualify? W- would Hungary have been above or below them? Uh, Hungary would have been mm. above them because the gold. Yes, and Algeria as well. But Scotland finished in 15th. Not bad. Actually, I said Brazil. Not bad. I said Brazil scored uh, 15 goals. One team in this tournament scored more than Brazil. Who is it? I presume it's Hungary, is it? No. Anyone? What, with their 10 goals and all? What was uh, it? Was the Germans. No. Germany. I'm going to keep going until someone gets it. Was it Poland? Oh, Jesus. No. Uh, Come on, guys. Think. Think quickly. Think Italy. so fast. No. Uh, f- no, I really have to get in The French. The French. Because they had a, they had a couple of big goals. goals. Four goals against the North and yeah. three against the Germans and... But Whatever. outside of El, Sa- El Salvador had conceded the most goals, 13. Two teams were joint second in, in goals concessions. One of them were New Zealand at 12. And do you know who the other team was with 12 goals conceded in the World Cup? France. 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 Mad. So. Mad, Ted. No, they did France's Achilles heel ultimately was the same as Scotland's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alan, Alan Ruff could have... Alan Ruff could have... <laughs> he would have walked into that team. The size of What do you mean? They were too good looking... What what height was he? <laughs> too, too tall. Uh, bigger than Ettore anyway. That's right, let's get started. I got you all to do your top fives, lads, and we've correlated your, your results and we're going to give people our favourite jersey of the World Cup, first of all, which has really surprised me, actually. By a country mile, the best jersey in this World Cup, according to you guys, is Italy. Are you not going to go five through to one or are you just going to go would straight that be more to the exciting, number one would it? Would I, you know, well, I feel like we should play top of the pops music Paul Hardcastle in the background alright at number five in jerseys of World Cup again kind of a surprise but it all on a very carefully calculated system New Zealand number five I actually what? like this jersey that's definitely a Billy Joe Padden choice I'd say, <laughs> that is, I'd say oh, five I, through what? one for Billy Joe was, was Adidas jerseys he blinded <laughs> by the three oh. stripes <laughs> You're absolutely right. I love that jersey though myself, so I, I, I was in there too. He's not alone, all right? But I wouldn't have given it as high marks as he did. At number four, Yugoslavia. Ah, yeah, it's quality. Yeah, it's quality jersey, you yeah. drove yeah. that to the top yourself. At number three, what I like about this is consistent scores across the board with everyone being careful not to give it a high score because of the team that it is. England at number three. Brilliant jersey. <laughs> Iconic. There was definitely... A bias there wasn't like I I know when I was doing my five I was like it's such a beautiful jersey but but I can't <laughs> I think I, can't. I think my not top even in a jersey not even in like a harmless jersey Paul can they get number one they'll just lose run of themselves they, 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 they totally they lose run themselves yeah. <laughs> totally I I actually had England second jersey and first jersey in my ranking it was so good but anyways and then let's no leave that number two is France it's gotta be France great jersey that that to me is just a beautiful jersey everything about it the pinstripe yeah. the collars yeah oh, I love the away jersey too I'd actually get that first I like the white see I think the collar see I think the collars are a little bit flappy on some of these mm. that's why I like the Yugoslavian one because it's a little mm. button down but the, the, the collars can be a little bit flappy that was why I didn't I don't think I or, or big like the, Nor- the Northern Ireland collars are you know they're, they're like they're nice. those shirts you see in the 60s <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they're they're a bit mental yeah, I think Col- Col- Colin might have uh, some some criti- criticisms of this uh, ranking chart. Uh, Colin, <laughs> no. jump in there. 
No, I, uh, I'm just after reading your text message from yesterday, Rob. Ah. So is that why we didn't get a top five? That's, yeah. that, that was why we had a bit of a miscommunication there a half an hour ago. Um, yeah. I gave up on you, Colin. Once you no, gave no, the no, thumbs up was, after, I said, like, did you send me all what, your top why, five posts as well? And I got a thumbs up. Had, like had my... Colin voted, it might have radically altered the top five. I it could suggest. have. Colin, could I give me your top five jerseys. Give me your top five jerseys. This is what you would have got off me. Algeria, France, Kuwait, El Salvador and Argentina. That's what you would have got off me. That would have been dramatic. Yeah. Dude, that would have put Algeria into the top five Here, ahead in New Zealand. I think Yugoslavia would be gone, would it? That would have put El Salvador way up. Sure, I, thought I gave it number one. There you Jesus. go. Yeah, so. <gasps> but listen, listen, I'm the sort of, I'm the um, <laughs> Larios of the outfit here. I don't go with convention. No. I didn't submit my scores. I just breezing through. So just pay no heed. Non-conformist Colin. This no, is actually no, no. adding, Rob, d- despite your, your, your frustration at me, this is adding to the drama of the climax. It definitely the, is. You know. It definitely is. I'll yeah. tell you what he is. I'll tell you what he is in this vote. He is the dimpled Chad of this vote. He has voted, but it, do- it just can't count. It's just yeah. we can't. We, we can't. I thought dimpled Chad was one of the, your top five players in the current couple. <laughs> 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 dimpled Chad. Who is he playing for? something, Larry. Well, number okay. one, and I, like I did have to make a quick calculation there because uh, Billy Joe, one of your, there was a recount there. One of your votes did bring El Salvador higher than New Zealand. <clears throat> and Algeria now have jumped ahead in New Zealand as well. They're out of the top five, New Zealand. Sorry, our Kiwi friends. Algeria in, but Italy still win. Italy number one. How, like, what is, well, like, I, I hold on now. Hold, hold, no Belgium in the top None. five. None. 25 logos on the front, Kieran. Kieran, you're, no. you're the only one who voted for it, Kieran. Oh it looks like a Scalextric oh set. Oh, my. Electrics set with the two tra- tracks down the side. And 25 I would have thought surely Kevin had it. voted for it, given that he had the Coventry City Brown edition and and, <laughs> and, and the Wales version. And the Wales one. The Wales one's a crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Italy. Italy's a classic though, Rob, isn't it? I suppose it is. It's Italy is a classic. Royal, blue. Classic, you know, unbranded. Yeah. It's the material. We, I yeah, can't feel it, shiny. but I feel like I can feel it just watching the pictures. I just, oh, texture. Right, enough of that. Moving on. We had some other top fives. Top five dinner guests, quite interesting one. You had quite a mix there. I like I liked the way Billy Joe just went for Alex, Alex McLeish. And there's a story to that, Colin, isn't there? You can tell it without Billy Joe telling it. I think it's better coming from Billy Joe because it sounds a little bit, um, I'm pretty, you sure know, we've narcissistic coming from me. 90 or... <laughs> Plus, I don't don't remember it quite as well as he does for reasons that will become apparent in the telling of the story. Well, that that is entirely debatable. Uh, Seeing that I nearly got on a plane the next day to go to Bratislava, oh, didn't quite happen. But but but, uh, anyway, as it uh, as the story goes, it was Colin's stag night, and there was uh, we were in McDade's in Dublin. It was the same night that Ireland were playing France in a World Cup qualifier. So we were there pretty much the whole day and as it would happen for his trouble, Alex McLeish came in for a drink, I think, with uh, his wife and, and another another couple. And of course, we bended the ear off him after about eight pints of Guinness and uh, I suppose told him how good of, uh, of uh, players we were. Uh, and I think the one line that we do keep remem- uh, uh, recalling is that uh, I think we said that Colin's brother Morris was a great centre half in his day, just like Jackie Charlton. And Morris is a good looking fella. Uh, and Alex quipped straight away, more like Jackie Collins, you know? So, so that, that was the height of it. But, oh, that was um, it. And he was over to, well he you was over to yourselves, go- he didn't sign you for Rangers. No, but he was actually, <laughs> what I loved about it was he was actually over to go to that game, Billy. And he never left McDade. He didn't go. <laughs> which, which uh, but uh, a big man. Big man. Big man. Yeah. Big Eck, if, yeah. if you are listening, you're welcome to come on and dispel uh, any mates or provide the other side of this conversation. He <laughs> did not show up to the wedding. He was invited, but um, there's no sign of him, so... Brilliant, love it. Where he's in, he's actually in on, on our table. It, like, it, like I think Kieran's top oh, five yes, is probably more enjoyable in and of itself than what we've ended up with. But well, I mean, Alex... uh, let me explain there, Rob. My top five was based on 
if I could get all these people at the one table. Uh, yeah, whereas, you, you know, it wasn't about any individual on it. It was Mine's a collective. I know, because I was reading yeah. it. And I was you actually re- thought about how a dinner party would work. <laughs> exactly. Right? Rather I, than just picking I'm, five lunatics. You know, it's a start of a, of a and dark in typical movie. TV fashion, I was seeking out conflict and drama. I mean, I just thought, <laughs> what a dinner table. Larry Oss, Mrs. Platini, Mr. Platini. <laughs> Hidalgo kind of there to keep the peace oh, and go how do I work all this out and I just thought Tony Schumacher would sort them out <laughs> yeah <laughs> just when everyone settled well I was reading too taking notes I was like Larry Michelle Platini mm, there's a theme here who's next well Mrs Platini yeah that's fair enough okay enough of that we have uh, Diego Maradona Larios this is the collective votes at four and three Tony Schumacher too and everyone pretty much not everyone but most people went for Socrates as well hmm Mm, that's our World Cup 82 dinner who was, table. Who was number one? There was only four there, was there? Oh, no, McLeish was, he snuck in. Oh, McLeish so made it in. Yeah, he made it in. That's so a really took... odd table. Alec McLeish, Socrates, Maradona. I'd say that's the only time Alex McLeish has ever been considered at a dinner party <laughs> with Socrates and Maradona. Um, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say he might be quite enough until he got five points of Guinness into him. I, I think, Kieran, you see, you're still thinking of an episode of Come Dine With Me. You know, like <laughs> Mrs. Platini's tonight. Mrs. Platini's night in the kitchen, and the two boys are left. They're the first two to arrive, and they're inside drinking prosecco, rocket fuel inside in the sitting room while she's getting getting the horse dovers ready. And they're like, "What are we going to talk about?" Because Larios and Platini only ever met once again. They met on a beach in like Mauritius or somewhere like that. <laughs> At a car, the one Larios. place they thought they could go and ne- have no chance of meeting each other. Like, like, it was like one of these. Empty beaches and the boys are going, oh, sh- who am I? Oh, I can't believe I'm going to have to walk past this guy. And like, apparently, current Larios, Platini's just kind of went, kind of, you know, kind of, as he walked past. Very French. So, uh, nice. Huh? Very French. Nice. Oh, very. Oh, yeah. You can imagine the kind of, you know. But, Speedos uh, as well, I'd say. Both of them. <laughs> Oh, you'd hope so. We went for artistes, our top five artistes of the World Cup. Diego Maradona. Alain Jaurès, Michel Platini, Socrates, and number one, Zico. Hmm. Are we happy with that? Anyone want to push back on that? Zico, number one? You can all pick him as I mean, the only one. The only one you might push back on is Maradona because, like... Yeah, actually, Antonioni was just In my five, I had a debate about kind of four players. Um, So Maradona, I was thinking yeah he was brilliant against Hungary but what else did we get and uh, my debate was like Boniek or Conti um, who I thought was you know unbelievable in this World Cup but I, I, I think either of those could comfortably have gotten into that five but Maradona's performance against Hungary is so compelling glorious glorious just so glorious like you couldn't you couldn't it kind of dwarfs every other performance in the World Cup, I would say. And obviously, David Neri was in consideration as well, Kev, yeah. There's no need for that. <laughs> that one moment, that one moment. <laughs> and Tom, Tom Russell didn't... I suppose if we had known about the Tom Russell story beforehand, he would have been kind of one of the artists that would have kind of fallen out of this. Really. No doubt about it. We're lucky we didn't it. all misconstrue this, because when you consider that over the course of 22 episodes, we've made references to... French film directors, <laughs> Scorsese, Bab- numerous actors, Babs Keating. <laughs> we could really have come up with some very different artists. Uh, the cloggers. That was a phrase I hadn't actually come across before, but yes, the cloggers of this world. Well, I, re- I read that as kind of, I would say, effective hard men. Mm. I don't know how anybody else interpreted it. But... Only one person didn't go for our winner as a top-notch clogger. He actually put him at seconds, and, and that was you, Kevin. You went for Tony Schumacher over Gentile. I'm giving it away. Gentile is everyone else's clogger of the tournament. Okay, give us the five. <laughs> oh, yeah, top five. And then Schumacher is at five. Kunde in at four. Fair play. Oh. Room, get a mention. Uh, Tarantini from Argentina in at three. Uh, Alessenko. From Spain. And they have to have someone Psycho. Absolutely. Psycho. In fact, Spain had a number of players. There's a few more down there as well. So yeah. I have got Dilo from Spain yeah. as well. I thought he was a mini yeah. as well. Dilo. Yeah. So Faf was in there as well. There's a couple of nice little mix of players in there. Uh, but yeah, Gentile wins the, wins the award by a mile, by a country mile. So I'm <laughs> taking it, Kev. You just went 
the most serious incident was the Tony Schumacher one. That was how he swayed over Claudio. Oh, yeah, maniac. Yeah, almost killed the guy. Yeah, I think that kind of takes you to the top of the bottom. Fair argument. It does. It does. I've just realised, I've just realised that my top five cloggers, I forgot to put Schumacher in there. Ooh. Um, you'd go but, up the um, charts a bit. Considerate, I would have had him in there, but I, I forgot him. I, poor old Tarantino. Like, Tarantino. That kind of explains like, why he didn't get a booking for the incident in the first place. You know, that even you yeah. went, oh, yeah, just common goalkeeping. Just, just that's how it's just so they're all. Tarantino's a little bit unlucky. Like he had some awful challenges in that Italian match, all right. But like, you know, a little, I would say he's a little bit unlucky to get in there. But anyway, they're all honourable mention for Norman Whiteside as well. I was going that one tackle. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. well, you almost yeah, killed the boy. But like yeah. throughout the World Cup, I, I was actually, I had him in. Norman Whiteside was like my fifth ranked clogger because like he, that's pretty much what he was doing. And he was only seventeen, but he was just whacking people. Every game, but Rob, in fairness, oh, there was boy. there was like a this is like a a, a, a a stratospherical level of violence in this World Cup. Yeah, like. in fairness, to poor old Norman, yeah. he had he had he had one <laughs> wild lunge that was that was kind of described, if I remember rightly, in the press the following day as like kind of energetic, <laughs> the energy of youth. Was you that know, Malcolm Brody? I mean, was it? <laughs> oh, I probably was. Speaking yeah, of Malcolm yeah. Brody, he was uh, in the papers. Uh, the day of this game ahead of the final saying West German goalkeeper Tony Schumacher the most unpopular footballer in Spain is suffering from an attack of remorse on even the World Cup final Schumacher's ratings hardly improved yesterday when it was learned that the French French man that he injured in the semi-final 25-year-old Patrick Batistone had lost two teeth and had briefly been in danger on the danger list in hospital I presume, I presume that's kind of like intensive care in, in Spain fortunately apart from those missing teeth the Saint-Étienne defender has now been released and Schumacher has offered to pick up the dentist bill but this gesture on the part of the Cologne goalkeeper normally a quiet family man quote unquote <laughs> is hardly likely to tilt the balance of neutrals in favour of the Germans quiet family man I think, I think we'll let make the spell that in a second just given that we've talked about like clogging is that a yeah we'll call it clogging who do you think got the fair play award fair play trophy at the 19 the Billy the Sport oh, yeah. Billy Trophy. Who do you think won it? I was wondering. Are we supposed to guess? West Germany. Oh, Brazil did not go home from this World Cup, Andy. Yay! Empty-handed. They got the bully tankard. <laughs> <laughs> the bully tankard and their bus fare home. Did they get? That's because of all the time, Serginio sportingly kicked the ball away, out of play. <laughs> Where was he in the artists? Where was Serginio in the artists? Where was he on the dinner guests? Actually, actually, what I loved is Kevin's uh, top five dinner guests actually had Serginio. I mean, that deserves a comment. And that's that's quite controversial after all you've said. I just wanted to to talk to him about it and just kind of like cleanse both our souls (laughs) and say, look, you were dreadful, but it's okay. I have this image of the two of you like at 3am with arms around each other singing. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah, we have the top five stories. Oh no, we have to find out. Was he, was he the family man they say he was? We need a reading from the book of Schumacher. That's what we need. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, um, this is going to be more of a specific read because uh, normally we just pick a random number. But this, this, goes, this is one of the things that got him... To help to get him turfed off the German team as a result of this book. Just how good a family um, man he was. Well, I mean, he was. I mean, we're not saying that he wasn't now. We're, we're saying, you know, I mean, we're not we're not accusing Tony Schumacher of any sort of improprieties in that regard now. But um, th- this is uh, honest to God. I, I don't even know, can I read it? Because it's kind of scattered across a few pages. So I kind of just, just, but this is like, this is like out of the autobiography of Alan Partridge. It really, really, really is. So he's talking about you know, players and wives and bringing them on tour with them and sex and how it all, throw them all into the cauldron and give them a little stir and how it all impacts on everybody, you know. Um, so when he went to the 86 World Cup, he brought his wife and kids to to Mexico as well and installed them in a hotel near the training camp. Um, he is a good family man. Fair play to him. I mean, that's that's go. an expensive hey. trip to take your family there to Central America in 1986. He says, "I understand players like Carl Heinz Forster who don't want to give up their married life. I want my wife with me." Says the former Stuttgart player, now with Marseille. And why not? As far as I'm concerned, his beloved can even sleep with him if it means he plays better the next day. Oh, we all benefit. However, when he's talking about himself. Uh, at times like this, yes, 
I, I, I enjoy sex as much as the next man. But I certainly don't need my wife with me during such an important competition as the World Cup. So I do without sex. After all, I'm no gorilla. At times like this, I shelve my love life and concentrate on my ambition to become a world champion. The best goalkeeper in the world. I don't have time for pleasure or desire. It's impossible for a couple even to think of living a harmonious conjugal life when we're under such enormous pressure to perform well on the field. It's just asking for punishment. No. And here we go. This is Tony Schumacher's solution through a guide to a happy camp. It would be better to employ the services of a call girl if necessary. That way, there wouldn't be any general absolute ban on women. If any player wants to have a woman in his room, he should just be allowed to. He should just make sure he doesn't disturb the people trying to sleep next door. <laughs> Very now, European. Very 80s. He's not saying that he engages in it. He just suggests that mm. others should rather than have their wife on site. Yep. We're not eunuchs, he says. Thank you. Uh, why shouldn't we avail ourselves of a call girl as long as she's been checked by a doctor? Oh, my God. Uh, oh, no. Well, I mean, as luck would have it, they generally tend to travel with one of these teams, don't they? So They do. A doctor, yes. Each to his own preference. Blonde, brunette, redhead. In the certainty that the girls are clean. It would be better to organise this kind of encounter than to have the boys sneaking off to the next town to some filthy brothel and picking up a dose of the clap. Okay. <laughs> oh, you have oh you're glad you asked oh, now what page is that on <laughs> the, buy the book like I'd love to know how many um, how many books oh, here comes the walk fella no here no Billy Joe taking out all is, these notes for his for, for no, his next training is, gig with a team yeah yeah that makes sense this is me. more for for those uh, I'm not going to say of us but those in the uh, yeah who have ghost written books right how many did this poor ghostwriter have to write to then happen upon this? You know, if this was your first ghostwriting experience, like it's going to be the worst. It's just going to, you're going to think they're all going to be like that. They're not. You know, that's incredible. That's incredible. You'd be ruined. You'd be ruined. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to go on about, but this goes on for pages, lads. Pages and pages this and is pages. buying coffee special. I, like, and why did he have to mention the colours of the hair? I wonder. Blonde, like very specific. Red, very yeah. specific. And from the sex, by the way, he moves on to, to drugs and dope and the use of dope by, by footballers. This is why Schumacher uh, got dropped off the German team after this book came out. This is, this is why. It's unbelievable. But Colin, you're right. Any ghostwriter who has that experience as a first experience, they're they're pardon the expression given what we've just uh, what I've just read, but they're ruined. <laughs> <laughs> top ten stories uh, of this World Cup is ranked by you guys, and like I, I mean, to top be honest, ten. Oh, we've gone for ten. And well, I'm just going to quickly go through them, yeah, because they're all good. Northern Ireland beats Spain. Northern Ireland in general does a story. Uh, ten. Brazil beat uh, Brazil, the best team never to win a World Cup at nine. Honduras training camp at eight. Algeria. At seven, all their great stories. At six, Schumacher Batistone. At six, I know. Five, Kevin Keegan's injury saga and the big journey back to uh, to uh, Germany. In Hamburg, the yeah. Yes, uh, where am I now? Down to four. El Salvador as a story. At three, Austria and Germany, the disgrace of Hihon. Um, I can't do that right, so I shouldn't try. At two, Gabriani and Rossi story. And just a Rossi story in general combined to make an amazing so say story. Say that which, again, Rob. Did I say his wrong? Did I say again? Did I say Gabriani? Did I say Gabriani? I wrote Gabriani down. Do you? Do you, could you possibly I, mean Cabrini? Cabrini, yes. I wrote fucking Cabrini down, and I had Gabriani in my head throughout this World Cup. Can you please not leave that in? I'm <laughs> so leaving that in. Ah, uh, don't. All right, anyway. at two. <laughs> Just to finish, at two. Gabriani Rossi story, and I won. <laughs> Oh my god! I love the laugh in the background. It's great. He's a commentator, folks. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to be. I'm I gonna be on the phone. I to put that in. <laughs> it's my Go again, Rob. At two. <laughs> at two. Cabrini Rossi story. At one. Thank you. Yay. At at one. Larias and Platini, which is like, like I actually was surprised when that came in. That Larias Platini is your number one story of this World Cup. But then when it all comes together in in today, the idea of him coming back for the third place playoff, make I guess it is. It is a stunning story. It's just weird. It's weird. That's the '82 World Cup is weird. It's great, but one of the reasons why it's great is because it's weird. I mean. 
the Larry Esposito you never hear I never heard a story like this at any other World Cup that I can remember anyway and then let me poor old Paolo Rossi and Cabrini getting accused of having a homosexual relationship in the middle of a World Cup it's just, just bizarro stuff like I mean what the hell are you going has to, I just just for sheer weirdness value that's why I had him in my top five anyway and like the rest the rest that you named off are all very obviously great stories but those two bonkers Come on, we better move on. The, the final is tomorrow, folks. The final. They're getting very, very worked up about it in the English press, just saying this game has to save football. There's a real sense that football needs saving with a good final because of all that had gone on before. And a lot of talk about Rossi. I think everyone in the world of football journalism, certainly in the English-speaking world that I was reading and the newspapers, are just waking up to the fact that this is an absolute remarkable story. What a turnaround. No one saw coming. That's... It's a, it's yeah. The Rossi story is amazing. What's interesting to me though is you say you know that football needs a good final in 1982, and think about how glorified that 82 World Cup has Ooh. been in the 40 years since. You know, yeah. really like held up as the greatest World Cup, and yet the press reaction at the time is the game is. I would say maybe the game is in crisis, but it needs a real showpiece occasion to lift it up from. Whatever, what has been seen as a, has, is have have we do we think that do we it, think well, this was a bad cynical, World Cup? They're saying cynical play uh, in the semi-finals in terms of the Italians, all their yellow cards, uh, the way they played the Argentina game gets mentioned, West Germany all the way through the World Cup being the bad boys in terms of the way they went about it, and obviously Schumacher, Battiston, the fact that the French and the and the Brazilians lost. That's the big reason why they're saying this. Reading the two articles I read there, uh, just the loss of these great footballing teams for the teams that took over. But if you come back to you guys spoke to the. Philippe O'Claire and he talked about one of the great things about this World Cup is the good versus evil narrative. So we've reached the climax of the movie and we started with a movie allegory on day one about West Germany, you know, that they're they're the West Germany of escape to victory. Um, and we've reached that point now. So we've all adopted Italy, if we're in 19, 1982, as our team going into this final. And that's taken some... I, I, Because that's what happens in World Cups. You pick a side once it comes to the game. Whether that be a quarterfinal, a semi-final or a final, you pick a side. And this World Cup has just made it very easy for us all to love Italy. So naturally, West Germany are going to win. Stay tuned. Find out. Thanks, lads. Third place playoffs are fun. Gabriani. Who is he? <laughs> Just before we go, a little request from us to you. If you're enjoying the shows, please follow, like and rate them. We'd love to see your comments and feedback. And if you'd like to support what we're doing, you could always buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Hispania82, where we've left a bonus episode for those who do. See you next time. And thanks for listening.